0: no longer having a supporting church, West End. And so they sent us a letter and identified 12 things that we should do. And so over the last couple of years, we've been working on that list, and we don't have it all done yet, but we've made some good progress. So recently we asked West End if we could have permission to go to our regional classes and ask them if we could become established. And so this past week, the West End leadership uh, gave us that approval. They, they unanimously approved our request to become established. Our, uh, let me say that, I gotta be careful about the wording here. They, they unanimously approved our request that they allow us to go to classes for permission to become established. So we'd like your prayers uh, over the next uh, few weeks as we finalize sort of a package that we gotta send into classes. And we'll include an official letter from West End with that, where they give us their blessing. And uh, so, anyway, kind of a small thing in in the big picture, but yet kind of an important step, too. So we're grateful for West End's um, long-time support. They began supporting us in 1960, so it's been a long time. And if you have any questions about anything, then you can talk to me after the service.
1: Thank you. (laughs) We... are about an 80-year-old church plant, and so the question, you know, why why would it be a good thing to establish? Why we're we're not cutting off a relationship with Weston? They love us; we love them. It's not cutting off a relationship, but why would it be a good thing to become established? Well, don't you know that small things are intended to grow up, and children grow up and they leave the home. Churches are planted, and the idea is that we would be come mature, and that we would have the gifts of the body that God would give us to be able to carry on. And for 80 years, the church has kind of seen some highs and some lows, and we praise God that he's brought in leadership. He's brought in um, people that are committed to a vision, because we don't intend to just stay as an independent church. We want to plant churches. We want to send missionaries. We believe God's called us to um, reach out with his love after he changes our hearts and continues to change our hearts, that his love spreads out to the neighborhood and it spreads out to the world. And so we praise God for um, the way that he's been working. And so, again, we would just pray for wisdom on the timing of this and that classes would be given wisdom as they consider the requests that will be before them. We wanted to make that announcement before we dismissed the children so that the children's workers could and the children could hear this good news and be in prayer. And so now I want to release the children to children's worship and bless you to go and continue your worship downstairs. We're so grateful for um, the workers and for the children that the Lord has blessed us with. And now um, we're going to enter our time of family prayer. And for those that are guests, we just pray um, from our seats those things that the Lord has put on our hearts to pray about. And so just pray nice and loudly. These are not long prayers because we want to have time for multiple people to be able to pray. But those things that are pressing on your heart, let's go ahead and um, lift up those praises and also those requests to the Lord. And I will start that. Lord, we um, give thanks to you for you are good. Your love endures forever. We give thanks to you, God of gods, Your love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. His love endures forever. And Lord, we praise you and thank you for your faithful love to this congregation for all these years. And that it doesn't stop. It will continue, Lord, even as we establish and grow, that your love will endure forever. Because your love for this world endures forever. Lord, I pray that you would receive our praises, that you would hear our prayers now.
2: Good morning, church family. I have the humble honor of being able to read today's uh, scripture passage. It's in Psalm 62. It's on page 897 in your Blue Bible. I'll give you guys a second to get there real quick. All right. Psalm 62 reads, Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? Would all of you throw throw me down this leaning wall, this tottering fence? Surely, they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but their, with their, in their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Surely the lowborn are but a breath, the highborn are but a lie. If weighed on a balance, they are nothing. Together they are only a breath. Do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. One thing God has spoken, two things I have heard. Power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. And you reward everyone according to what they have done.
1: And that is the Lord's word for us this morning. We continue our sermon series on rest, and um, as we um, prepare to start this morning, we just remember that Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, that I will give you rest. We've spent time reflecting on God's good rest that he built right into creation With evening and morning, the first day, how he created a seventh day and he rested and he calls us to rest on the Sabbath. He um, has called us out through sermons on being too busy and not resting or being anxious and not trusting him and losing our peace and our rest. And today he invites us to rest in the midst of conflict. And I want to tell you a story about um, a meeting of a classis committee. A classis is a group of regional churches here on the north side. And so there was a committee meeting one morning. And usually this gentleman that I'm going to, um, it's a true story, I'm going to change names, so I'm going to call him Bob. Bob usually shows up early <clears throat> for meetings that start at 7 a.m. He'll probably be there at 6.30, ready to get a cup of coffee and talk as soon as anybody comes in. Well, Bob came in that morning right before, like just before we were ready to start, which was unusual. And then he sits down and um, he just has a distressed look on his face and uh, got ready to start the meeting and said we were going to start with our devotions. And he interrupted and said, I just need to say that I'm here, but that I may not um, be able to focus very well. I'm distracted and I've got a meeting after this meeting. And I just am kind of um, focused on that this morning. And he just kind of made this blanket announcement. So it's kind of like, Bob, what's going on? Well, come to find out, he shares with us a little later, that um, he's been making investments. He's retirement age. He's been investing with someone. Well, he goes to look at the fine print, and what the fine print in his paperwork says is completely different than what the person has been telling him, over time. And what's at stake is his retirement funds. And he is in conflict and he is stressed and he's anticipating going face to face and he's wondering if this doesn't work out well, what's my next step? He's already anticipating what's the next step. Well, he was experiencing a great conflict He's not the only one. We can all anticipate, and we know what conflict feels like. Maybe it's not that we've made an investment for our retirement. As I look around, um, many of you are probably 35 and under, so maybe you're not even thinking about investing. You're just liking a job, like right? So, um, But there's other kind of conflicts that we've faced. Um, maybe it's gossip. Maybe you heard something and you think, well, that's not true about me. How did that get started? And then you find out that it was your friend and you think, what in the world? And there's that angst and that like, oh, what do I do? Somebody said something about me? Or what if it's maybe that um, we got news from our landlord that we needed to move out because they were going to do some upgrades and you think all these years I've been asking for you to come in and fix my leaky faucet or fix that floor that's spongy and you haven't been able to do that for me but now you want me to move out. And actually you kind of have this feeling that when you move out you may not be able to move back in because the rent's going to be the rate's going to be higher. And you're feeling pushed out and there's a conflict and you're frustrated and you're angry, and your muscles are tight, and your neck muscles are tense, and you have trouble sleeping at night, there's a conflict. Maybe it's a family feud, and we know how family feuds. I mean, it's bad enough if it's the Hatfields and the Kois. It's two different families that are feuding, but what about when it's that conflict's within your own family? And just being in the same room, there's tension, because there's something that just isn't right, and those that are supposed to have your back, are actually feel like sometimes they want to stab you in the back. In some level, we've all had some sort of conflict in our lives, and we understand this verse that says they bless with their mouths, they bless, but in their hearts they curse. The psalm says um, that they surely they intend to topple me. From my lofty place. They tend to topple me. To push me off. To push me over. What are these? The psalmist is crying out about this. And what are the kinds of things that are happening to the psalmist? There's lies. There's lies that are being said. There's flattery. Flattery is when people say things that maybe are true. But they're doing it with an ulterior motive. They're trying to butter you up. Because they're trying to get something and it's saying there's flattery that's happening, but then but under their breath, they're actually are in their hearts. They don't wish me well, they wish me harm. There's extortion. It says, do not trust in extortion. What does extortion mean? It means the practice of obtaining something, oftentimes money, through force and threats. So the psalmist has somebody that's bullying, that's trying to get something from them with force and threats. And he says, don't put your hope in stolen goods or riches. So maybe the psalmist was having something just like my friend Bob was having, where somebody's stealing from. It creates a conflict. The psalmist says, how long will you assault me? When I think about assault, I thought about the image of a barn that's ready to fall over. Like it's been under the weather and the elements year after year after year, and it's wearing it down, and it's starting to sway, and sometimes you drive past these things out in the country, and you wonder, how is it even standing up anymore, and when is it going to just completely collapse? And I think the psalmist was feeling kind of like this barn that's on its way down, how long will you assault me? Would all of you throw me down? And then there's this line in my Bible. I don't know if your line, Bible has a little line after that, but in the original language there was something called "sela," pause. And so the psalmist says this and then pauses to think, How would I describe it? Would, you, would all of you throw me down? This leaning wall, the psalmist is saying, I feel like a leaning wall. I feel like I'm this barn that's ready to just collapse. Are you just wanting to push me over? Are you wanting to give me that last little push? Because I feel like a leaning wall. I feel like a tottering fence. With the windstorms that came through, maybe, I don't know, if that was about three or four weeks ago, there were a lot of leaning fences or toppled over fences Sometimes you see a fence that's just kind of hanging there like this one is. And the psalmist says, I'm feeling like you're trying to push me over. You're trying to topple me over. I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling weak. I'm feeling vulnerable. And I feel like I'm just hanging on. I'm just standing up. But it feels like it wouldn't take much to blow me over. When we have conflict in our lives, it impacts every aspect of us. We are body, soul, and spirit. And so when we have conflict, sometimes you've heard of this fight or flight, or fight, flight, or freeze, they say, are kind of the three responses when there's something that's coming against us. And so when we face conflict, sometimes our heart rate goes up. Our blood pressure goes up. Our muscles get tense. Our mouths get dry because the adrenaline starts going. You feel like either you just want to bolt out, like you're in a room with somebody that you're in conflict with and you either want to bolt out or you want to punch them, just saying, you know, or verbally you want to lash out because you're angry, you're feeling threatened, and you there's this response that wants to come. Sometimes our breathing rate goes up. We can't sleep at night. Anybody ever with a conflict, your mind is going. You're going over it and over it. You're rehearsing what was said, who said what, what the next action is. It affects every bit of us. And so we get weary. We feel weak. We can relate. Can you relate to the psalmist? Have you ever been there? Something, I mean, it could be a, a struggle on the playground and we still remember We're adults and we still remember when we got teased or bullied or something happened and we felt like we're going to collapse. Well, this morning, folks, God's good word has much hope for us. The Lord is our strength. And he meets us in these places of conflict, whether you're in one now, whether you've been in one in the past and it's still unresolved, or whether the Lord's preparing you for the future. But there's hope in the midst of conflict. There's rest and even peace in that place because he invites us to remember who's in control. God is sovereign. We listen to the words of that song, that he's sovereign over everything. What does sovereign mean? He's in ultimate control, ultimate authority. And so God rules over all, and that's how we can have rest, even in the midst of conflict. And in your bulletin this morning, you have an insert. And um, it's a two-sided one, and it says Belgic Confession on one side. You have one? Does anybody need one? Anybody? Yeah? Brendan? There's a few people that need one of these. So if you put your hand up nice and high, he's going to pass it out. What is the belgic confession the belgic confession is one of several doctrinal confessions of our denomination and many other churches use these as well they're um christian writings that kind of explain what we believe about god it takes god's word and it puts it into a teaching format the belgic confession was written in 1561 so it's old and it came about because the Spanish Inquisition was trying to eliminate Protestants. And so in order to say we are Christians too to the Catholic leaders at that time, they wrote this confession, and in it is this Article 13. So just think about if it's a long document like a book, you would have chapters. There's an article, Article 1, 2, 3, just kind of ways to put segments to the confession. This is talking about God's providence. His sovereign rule over everything. And so we're gonna, um, I'm going to read this and just kind of comment along the way. I think this helps us to understand God's control when we face conflict. It says, We believe that this good God, after creating all things, did not abandon them to chance or fortune, but leads and governs them according to his holy will in such a way that nothing happens in this world. Nothing. Nothing without God's orderly arrangement and so God for God there is nothing that's outside of his supervision well right away that raises a question well you know what's going on then is it God at fault and it's not God's fault let's go on with the bolded part there yet God is not the author of and cannot be charged with the sin that occurs For God's power and goodness are so great and incomprehensible that God arranges and does his works very well and justly, even when the devils and the wicked act unjustly. And so God's purposes won't be hindered. And he's going to work out his plans for your life and mine as believers in him, even when there's wicked and unjust things that are happening, whether it's in a spiritual nature or whether it's just in the physical with interpersonal conflict. All right? Well, let's not ask why, because a lot of times we get hung up, well, then why is this happening? God, why, why, why? This next part that's indented, I wanted you to notice this. We do not wish to inquire with undue curiosity into what God does that surpasses human understanding and is beyond our ability to comprehend, but in all humility and reverence, We adore the just judgments of God, which are hidden from us, being content to be Christ's disciples so as to learn only what God shows us in his word without going beyond those limits. So sometimes God allows difficult things, even conflicts in our lives, in such a way that we would want to say why, and it calls us to say, well, who? Who is in charge? And when we remember who's in charge and that he's loving and good, and that he has plans that go beyond our human comprehension, then we can relax and rest even when we don't understand and what is happening doesn't make sense, right? Just as you were refugees, I'm just thinking about this right now. You're running, there's all this danger all around. You saw so much violence, and you would think, why? Why, God? And yet you could say, turn it around and say, I don't understand, but I trust, and I can have peace in that. God wanted to bring you to a different country and give you a home, right? All right. This doctrine, and I'm going on to read now, this doctrine gives us unspeakable comfort since it teaches us that nothing can happen to us by chance, but only by the arrangement of our gracious Heavenly Father who watches over us with fatherly care, sustaining all creatures under his lordship so that not one of the hairs of our heads, for they are all numbered, nor even a little bird can fall to the ground without the will of our Father. In this thought we rest, knowing that God holds in check the devils and all our enemies who cannot hurt us without divine permission and will. And for that reason, we reject the damnable error of the Epicureans who say that God does not get involved in anything and leaves everything to chance. And so we receive comfort and we can rest knowing that God, is, who is a good and loving God, is in control. Now we're going to go to the back side. All right, so the, cat, the um, Belgic Confession is saying we can trust God. He's in control. Nothing can happen to us, no conflict, no difficulty, without somehow it coming through his fatherly hand. And if he's allowed it, he's got some good purposes for it. Well, where's the justice, you might say? How many of you just think, well, where's the justice in some of these unnecessary things, some of these evils and all that happen? This catechism question, answer 52, I think, helps us to um, look at that question. How does Christ return to judge the living and the dead comfort you? In all distress and persecution, with uplifted head, I confidently await the very judge who has already offered himself to the judgment of God in my place and removed the whole curse from me, Christ will cast all his enemies and mine into everlasting condemnation, but will take me and all his chosen ones to himself into the joy and glory of heaven. We are called to forgive, to love and forgive our enemies, and so I read this not to say, okay, let's just wish condemnation for everyone. We trust God to be the judge. He's the one that would judge who's saved and who is going to hell. By God's grace, since we're all sinners, we've all been on the other side of giving some conflict that was unnecessary. We've all harassed our siblings. Let's just admit it. Um, right? We've all been on the wrong side as well as on maybe on the right side. But we can trust that if something horrible is happening and it's not covered by the blood of Jesus, every single person is going to have to face that judge. And he is just and he is good. All right. So we've looked at the Belgic Confession. We've looked at question and answer 52 that Jesus will judge. And now I want to ask the question from um, twenty-eight from the catechism, this question, how does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? And I'd like us to all read the answer out loud. We can be patient when things go against us, thankful when things go well, and for the future we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing in creation will separate us from his love. For all creatures are so completely in God's hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. We can be patient when things go against us, and we can look to the future with confidence in our faithful Father. That catechism said all creatures are so completely in God's hand that without his will, they can neither move nor be moved. The truth we can rest in is that we're completely in God's hand and that we won't be moved without God's will. And so he is watching intently Bob's investor. He's watching intently our landlords. He's watching intently if gossip is going on. He's watching intently when there's conflicts, even within families. And all these things feel like maybe it's just going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. But we're being taught this morning that we are that fence that our feelings might say we're going to collapse. We can't handle the pressure anymore. We're going to fall over. We're going to give in to this. And yet the truth is that we will not be moved without God's hand. We won't collapse and we won't stand up straight without the Lord's hand. And so he will support us and he will watch over us. And so there is no pressure that's going to come that's going to cause you to be crushed or perplexed or destroyed because we're filled. Scripture talks about us being like a, a clay vessel. And so even though these things are pressing in, We're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, and so he strengthens us to withstand even that that's coming. This scripture gives us such guidance about what to do when we're in these conflicts, when we're in this angst, when our emotions are wanting to wag us this way and that way and have all kinds of irrational thoughts. Um, The scripture today tells us this in verse 8, Trust in him at all times, you people, Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Trust him at all times. Trust him when you wake up in the morning. God's in charge today. God's sovereign. When you're getting ready to go to bed at night, trust him. God's watching over me tonight. I'm going to lay down and sleep in peace because you caused me to dwell in safety. Trust him when you wake up in the middle of the night. And maybe when you start to rehearse things, you might say, And just ask yourself a question. Am I trusting God right now? Am I trusting him in this moment? Also teaches us pour out. Pour out your hearts to the Lord. So pour out. When you're pouring something out, you might do it slowly or you might do it fast, like just the big dump, but you're pouring out. And so pour out. Bring out of hiding and bring it out to the open to the Lord All the ways that you're feeling, all the ways that this is affecting you, your feelings, your thoughts, bring them out to the Lord. Pour them out. It says pour out your heart. That means your emotions. Tell the Lord how you feel. And so just like the psalmist paused and then came up with some words to describe, I feel like a leaning wall. I feel like a fence that's going to totter. Lord, this is how I'm feeling today. My grandma used to say, I feel as weak as a kitten. Well, however it is that in your words, you would say it. You know, maybe I feel worn out like I've been running a marathon or riding a bike race in the mud. I'm guessing I think I heard somebody did that yesterday. Um, But tell the Lord how you're feeling and bring it to God. Don't bring it to somebody else. He's saying pour out your heart to me. And so bring these things to the Lord. Sometimes when we're stuffing those things in, we're not even sure How we're feeling anymore. I had that this week after, I mean, we weren't having conflict except conflict with grief and death of losing several family members in a row, so three deaths within a couple months. And I realized, I don't know how I feel anymore, and this is not good. And so I needed to spend some extra time with the Lord just pouring out, pouring out, bringing out, talking, journaling, how it was that I was feeling. And the scripture gives us these beautiful word pictures, these metaphors to think about. The Lord is a rock, it says. God is my rock. Well, when you think about that, do you picture a little pebble that you picked up in the driveway out here? Or who, who is God? Is he maybe, you know, a big stone that your kids like to climb on at the park or You know, when you go out camping? Or is he the big granite mountain? Or is he maybe the rock that's the whole earth and all the plates underneath and so forth? Like how big is your view of God? Think about God as a rock, a mighty rock, he says. Meditate on what is true. And the psalmist does this. He says, God is my rest. He says it two times. He says, God is my salvation. He says that four times in just a matter of a few verses here. God, you're my fortress. God, you are my hope. God, you're my honor. I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to defend my honorability. You are my honor. God, you're my refuge. What does a refuge look like? For a little kid, it's under the snuggly blanket with a binky or something, right? What does refuge look like? And who is God to you? And is he that? Are you going to him as your refuge when you're in conflict? Meditate on this. I will not be shaken. Instead of letting the re- the tape go through your mind, this is going to be the death of me. This is going to undo me. This is going to do me in. I could never handle it. If this happens, you just have all these scenarios going on. What's true? What does God say is true? If we're in him, we will not be shaken. He is in us and we are in him. Think about being in the midst of that great big granite mountainside. What's going to shake you? I watched some guys carry in a granite countertop one time when they were doing a kitchen. maybe about three inch wide or thick granite, maybe about 8 or 10 feet long piece, took 8 big strong guys to carry this little countertop as compared to that great big mountain. What in the world? If God is our mighty rock, this conflict is not going to do a thing to us. We will not be shaken when we focus on what's true. And you know, that's what happened to my friend Bob. In that committee meeting, after he announced that he was distracted, we prayed, and then we read the word. And you know what the word did? It strengthened Bob. All of a sudden, he realized he didn't have to have it all figured out. He didn't have to know all the next plans. He could pray and trust that the Lord was going to give him what was needed when he went to talk to that person. I don't know what the outcome was, but I know that I've seen Bob several times since. He's peaceful. He's showing up early for coffee. He's making jokes again. The Lord has helped him. He has strengthened him. And so no matter what the outcome, he's got peace, and it can't be taken from him. God invites us into his rest and into his peace. And then he closes with this, power belongs to you, God, and with you, Lord, is unfailing love. You see, the conflict that we need to be most concerned about is the conflict with God that our sin created. And when we're in Christ, when we believe that Jesus died for our sins, we never, ever, ever have to fear that relationship. Because his unfailing love, he keeps loving us, keeps loving us. And if he is for us, who can be against us, right? And so let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your good word that you are a mighty rock, that you are a fortress, that you are our refuge, that you are our strength, that we will not be shaken because we're in you. And so, Lord, would you teach us how to rest in the midst of conflict? Lord, would you help us to be those that love, forgive, bless, and walk in hope, the sure hope of your unfeeling love. We pray this to you, Sovereign One, in Jesus' name. Amen.